darkness of shadows Unlike the corporate suits The whale panda is wise A chicken dreams about the moon While soaring in the skies As Bitcoin sees new all-time highs All around me I see big block heads crypto The best thing to do is simply to huddle When scam coins try to turn the tide You'll quickly rush to my side Hot death fix until she's will crown Okay, so welcome to the first and potentially last The Magical Crypto Friends Show. Uh, a very safe place in crypt for crypto animals. Uh, we have with us Samson, Chief Trolling Officer for at uh, Exalion Headwares. Ricardo, CEO of the Monero Enterprise Alliance. And Charlie Lee, the lead dev of the Bitcoin testnet. And me, Will Panda, of course, everyone knows me. Uh, let me start off by saying that we are late because of Samsung. So if we are a bit tired or look a bit tired, it's all because of Samsung. And yeah. So, well, um, let's start off with the Note2x. The conclusion, what what you guys think. Uh, and what, what also maybe interesting will be, what will be the next potential attack? Obviously, it's 3x. <laughs> <laughs> Well, do you guys all agree 2x was an attack? Definitely. It was the weirdest way to, to handle things, like to get a bunch of people into a room and make them sign an agreement and, and sort of force them into that. And I mean, the whole thing just imploded at the end. I think they had good intentions. I mean, the, it was trying to like keep the community together to agree to something and to compromise between the miners and the developers and the community. But in the end, they didn't get... Um, they didn't get a comp they didn't get like a compromise basically it was causing the split as opposed to keeping everyone together so i mean they finally realized their how stupid it was and canceled it which also showed how centralized it was which i guess also begs the question i mean how important are developers you know because they, they there tends to be this weird rift between um relying on developers and then also like despising them well, I think that comes from uh, the corporate mindset, right? Like for most companies and a lot of the CEOs in this space, their experience is just hiring devs that they can tell what to do and boss around, right? It's kind of weird that you can't tell developers what to do and that causes a lot of rifts and frustration. Well, I also think that an issue was that um, they, a lot of companies were actually surprised, that signs were surprised that the core devs were not, uh, we're not in on it. Uh, a lot of like three or four companies said like, oh, but we thought it was supported by, by at least some core devs. Well, it goes back to Charlie's point. A lot of people signed for different reasons and some actually did want to help and kind of bridge the gap and bring people together. And some, you know, wanted to push their own agenda, but definitely there's people there that didn't know that the core devs didn't sign up for it. 
and that there was no consensus. They just got an email blast and pressure to say, sign this thing. Well, I mean, how else are, is Barry Silver going to get everyone together to sign something, right? So I think he just gathered, he basically put a stab out there, like two megabytes with SegWit, and tried to get everyone to kind of agree. He tried his best, I think. Almost like yeah, consensus is really difficult. I mean, who knew? <laughs> you know, just expect it to work, right? <laughs> yeah, you could say he tried his best, but then you can look at it another way too, and that that was actually a good time for uh, a lot of the businesses and everyone to stand up together to miners and mining pools that didn't want to activate and say, you know, it's time to stop messing around and let's move forward too. That's true. I mean, SegWit, from what I can tell, I'm talking to you, everyone, SegWit had consensus. I mean, there's there's obviously a few people who are against it for unknown reasons, but it's a very it's a very good upgrade and most people were for it. So it, it didn't make sense to me why miners were against it until the ASIC boost thing came out. Mm-hmm. Like before that, I'm like, it's miners are making money hands over heels and they're complaining about it and they want to destroy their cash cow for some reason didn't make any sense at all it's a it's a fine line because with segwit it's actually harder to game the fees and manipulate the fees so if they lose that in addition to asic boost then uh, it's a loss in revenue but then the line is crossed if they kill bitcoin right so Mm. it's a fine dance it's a bluff my main issue with everything is that um, the companies were just spreading false information and ever, everyone that was Node2x was just a troll or a sock puppet. Everyone on Twitter was just a troll or a sock puppet because well, they, they controlled like 30 million users that's, that they claim. So um, there was a lot of false information going around. And also, for example, if you think about it, um, they found three, three bugs in, in the, the code. Four. 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 Okay, four. Yeah. Four, four known. Four known. So which, which are the four? I, I only remember three, but I mean, three is already bad enough. <laughs> <laughs> three, like, critical ones. They couldn't actually generate a bigger block, even when the time came. Uh, and there was the off by two, off by one, off by half a block, however many. <laughs> how, how do block heights work? We don't even know. Humankind doesn't know yes. how to work out block heights at this stage. I'm just surprised there's no there's no test for it, right? I mean, this is like a basic test you would add. You could test it on testnet, but that probably didn't come to mind. That requires you to have a functional <laughs> testnet. <laughs> and I mean, with just one developer, that's hard enough. Yeah, see, it's all your fault, Charlie. You should have made Litecoin 2x and let them test it there first. <laughs> <laughs> you should have just had blockchain governance. I mean, blockchain governance solves everything, guys. So, what do you think is the next uh, potential attack? Bcash. Uh, uh, yeah, Bcash. I, I think so too. It's just trying to st- steal the brand, but yeah, it's a it's an internal attack, right? It's splitting. It's really splitting the the brand, the community, with like Roger Veer and Bitcoin.com. He has like a forum. He has a Reddit site, RBTC. He has uh, a pool, and yeah, I mean, it's kind of like if he's directing all users, all new users that go to his site to, to pretend that the Bitcoin cash is the real Bitcoin. And it's just really confusing. He also has a wallet. Yeah. Peter Ryzen, I think on Twitter, called it a messy divorce. I think that's kind of a an interesting way of looking at it because 
it is a messy divorce right now. You know, sock puppets aside, you've got people legitimately in the community that think that Bitcoin Cash is the future and that's their prerogative. I personally don't have a problem with Bitcoin Cash as a project. I think there's got to be a place for big blockers to go and that should be the place for them to go. I have an issue with this whole idea of like Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin. You know, I mean, why why confuse things that way? It's 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 not good for anyone. Like, have a project called Bitcoin Cash, no problem. But don't create something where it's like Bitcoin Cash is Bitcoin and now people don't really know which way the wind's turning. Yeah, exactly. There's there's definitely a demand for, for bigger blocks. So um, they have it now. So also on Twitter, I have no problem with Bcash, uh, but let them go their their, their own way and, and, and stop trying to, to mess with Bitcoin. Well, I mean, put, you put, them, put yourself in their shoes, right? There's There's been thousands of altcoins that are big blocks so to speak so it's not it's not that's not what they want right they want bitcoin to have big blocks so the project has to be called bitcoin right if they have their way they wouldn't even be called bitcoin cash it would just be called bitcoin so bitcoin cash is already a compromise for them to have another word added to bitcoin right so if you call it bcash i can understand why they would be upset because then it's no longer bitcoin which is it's silly right it's yeah yeah, I think the same thing. It's okay that they want to have this big block coin and you know, whatever they think is the real vision, right? But the problem is the confusion to ordinary users and new users that they they come into the space and they want to buy something. Just the other day, a, a friend was asking me, like, what, what coin should he invest in? I said, you know, just for simplicity, I told him, just buy Bitcoin. Everything else is a scam because I don't want to go into details. <laughs> but... Um, then he's like, okay, fine, I can buy Bitcoin, but now which Bitcoin should I buy? <laughs> <laughs> so then I have to, it's not, it's not simple, right? Yeah. He, he should buy the Bitcoin that's actually called Litecoin. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. <laughs> well, well, someone made a joke. Isn't like, that just a testnet coins? In, in a year, if you look at coin market cap, it's just going to be all Bitcoin something. So you'll rename Litecoin to Bitcoin Lite. There we go. That's the answer right there. Litecoin Cash is the real Litecoin. <laughs> Yes. How about how about Litecoin Bitcoin? Hmm. Maybe. <laughs> that that almost sounds like Libitcoin, but yeah, I mean it's it's kind of it's been like the naming thing's been pretty funny. Like if you look at Bitcoin first it was Bitcoin XT, which is like seems like a more a better version of Bitcoin, then there's Bitcoin Classic, there's Bitcoin um Unlimited, which is supposed to be a better version of Bitcoin. And now there's um Bitcoin Cash, Bitcoin Gold. Bitcoin Diamond, yeah. You gotta stop shilling for all the fake Bitcoins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, let, let's move on to some real scaling then. So, um, I saw in Riga uh, the presentation of Elizabeth Stark about Lightning, and it's, as far as I understand, it's coming r along very well. I think they're going to release a beta on the mainnet soon. Um, but one of the main problems is actually that they like, uh, real developers they have like 10, 10 developers working on all different implementations now um so what are your guys thoughts on lightning one confusing thing about lightning is there's well there's like six or seven different teams working on it and i think there's multiple competing protocols i mean i think a few of those teams decide to kind of work together on the same lightning protocol um i believe it's the bolt protocol but there are a few others that aren't really using the same protocol which is going to be a bit confusing. I spoke to Elizabeth Stark about this the other day um, when I was in San Francisco and 
It looks like at the very least, um, uh, L&D and Flair are at least trying to work together to make sure that they stick to the protocol. Because, I mean, there's a defined protocol, right? There's documentation and it, it's not like your, pro, your implementation needs to reach consensus. It just needs to meet the protocol. So it's much easier to do uh -huh. than a competing Bitcoin uh, implementation. Yeah, as far as, as far as I understood, there were um, <clears throat> three actually three teams working um, together on it. They they were building out uh, on on GitHub like a an entire list of of like uh, requirements and to, to to reach consensus so that they will all three be uh, compatible with each other, which is very important, of course. But you also see like on the term you have like Raiden and now there was yesterday uh, something else came up and they're all doing ICOs for, for, for their Lightning Network. I, that I don't get. How? Why? Yeah. <laughs> because you need a, you need a hundred million dollars to build up a Lightning Network. Yeah, you can't possibly do it with like a handful of dedicated developers. I mean, it's just not possible. Definitely not. You need your own token. I mean... It's 2017. How can you even run anything without your own token that you that you pre-mine? So, <laughs> so, what kind of time frame you guys think that before it will be people start actually using it on the main chain, not for like as a test, but like really starting to use it? Pragmatically speaking, I think we're not going to see actual lightning usage till 2019. I think there's still going to be a lot of like playing around and and figuring out what wallets should look like and all of that. Um, over 2018, but I don't know if you guys have played with Zap. Zap is really yeah. coming together. I mean, that's that's impressive for like one developer. No, I, I'm actually more optimistic. I think mid 2018 we'll have people actually using it. I mean, whether or not like the large um, companies like Coinbase and others will actually have support for that is is questionable. But I think people will actually start using. Um, opening up lightning channels and sending payments over lightning. Okay, so so I guess like maybe maybe individuals, but but um, in terms of anyone making retail payments, I I'm a little bit disappointed by how slow the VEC32 segment adoption has been because there's no real excuse. It's, it's not a not a major technical challenge. I mean, I guess if you sort of hard code everything, it is. But for the most part, it's not that difficult, and they're just the adoption rates for companies and exchanges has been abysmal. Well, one of the excuses that they use is also that they have to prepare for 2x, that they have to prepare for every uh, Bitcoin gold, Bitcoin diamond fork now, that uh, people are complaining that they don't get their free airdrops, so that they need to uh, spend some engineering efforts in that area. Um, but, but actually talking about Coinbase, uh, they actually have a full-time uh, Lightning developer now working with... Uh, yeah, with Lightning team. So that that's at least that's positive, even though they still didn't implement Segwit yet. But yeah, so I met him in yeah, San Francisco, um, and uh, and and basically, I don't know if you guys know this, but um, I, I tweeted retweeted uh, um, Brian Armstrong the other day. Um, so they have this this full time engineer, and he can work on whatever he wants. So he's working on Lightning, and they're looking for like four to five other engineers. So if you're an engineer in San Francisco or anywhere you want to move and you're willing to move to San Francisco, then you still have to go through their whole like HR <laughs> process and, and hiring process. But then you can work on whatever you want. You can work on, I don't know, Monero. Monero. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I think uh, we'll also see lightning middle of next year, if not sooner. It really depends on if people want to use it. 
because if the protocol is defined and we have functional wallets, then there's no reason why people can't actually use it. And a large part of the adoption thing is just priorities. So if uh, you know Coinbase did prioritize it, then we could see a lot of Lightning transactions happening and a lot of merchant transactions as well. It just takes one that wants to jump on and start pushing it, and then we'll see a wave of adoption. <laughs> Maybe a company like, like Bitco, they were also very fast with SegWit on, and Bitstamp. Uh, the, the, the main developers there, they, they support Core. And, and for example, with Bitstamp, um, the re- one of the reasons why they implement SegWit so fast was because they actually pay the fees. Uh, so they had like a huge incentive to get SegWit uh, out there and, and implement it so they could uh, reduce their own spending uh, because, yeah, they don't charge uh, the users any, any Bitcoin fees. So another thing I wanted to bring up is um, I was talking with some people uh, at the conference, uh, Hodl Hodl and Enrica, and something that people are worried about is that Bitcoin will lose its first place because uh, you have something like Ethereum, which has consensus as a big marketing team behind it. Uh, Dash uh, also has a big marketing team behind it. And, and then you have Bitcoin, which doesn't have anything. It just has like network effect. So what do you guys think? Is, is that ever a, a risk that Bitcoin will lose uh, ground against those more organized, let, uh, let's say centralized, more organized uh, coins? I think it doesn't matter. If you're looking at market cap, you're looking at Bitcoin the wrong way because market cap is such a dumb metric that it's like a holdover from stock markets and whatever, but it doesn't really apply to Bitcoin. You can't just calculate it so simply. You have to take into account market depth, liquidity, and all these other factors. Yeah, I think the other thing as well is like the user base. Um, So I, I used to, I still do put a lot of value in the number of transactions per second that are networks processing. Um, but I've also realized that speculators uh, are sometimes responsible for a lot of transactions. They're doing things like arbitrage between exchanges and whatever. Um, and you can't really compare speculative transactions uh, per second with like actual usage. And I think that that's really where Bitcoin's winning at the moment um, and will continue to win, I hope, um, is in actual usage. And and. Like a lot of these other things are just like, well, you know, we want to invest in ICOs so that we can like increase our Ethereum holdings or whatever. Yeah, like the Ethereum transactions are really high. It's all because of all the ICOs, people moving Ethers around and it's all speculation in ICOs. I think for like 99% of, of all these coins, all the transactions are from speculation and people moving coins between exchanges. In terms of actual usage, I mean, Bitcoin is pretty much the only one that has actual real usage, to be fair. And and also in the end, like, it doesn't need usage to be valuable. Like, a lot of people are actually just holding Bitcoin for, as a store of value. And they can use it if they want to, um, but they don't right now because they're just holding it as a store of value. And that gives a coin value without actual usage. So it's really hard to, to actually determine the how valuable coin is. I, I don't know if you know this. I, uh, somebody told me yesterday, the day before, that based on current prices, Dash has about four and a half million dollars a month in budget that they can spend on marketing and whatever the hell they want. That is a lot of money to throw at marketing. 
Yeah, it's it's also taking a lot of money out of the out of the system. Um, money that should be going towards um, like miners or whoever that's protecting the coin. It's actually going towards marketing. Yeah, but I think it's okay. I mean, it, Bitcoin is really not dependent on marketing. Uh, I think Ethereum is very dependent on marketing. I think they have like a team of 30 people doing their marketing. But, you know, for Bitcoin, it is a hot topic. So we actually get a lot of press and a lot of coverage, even if it's bad coverage. It's still getting it into, you know, the the attention span of the average user, especially with the price going up so high. So I don't think really think that uh, market cap is not important. I think it's Bitcoin needs to stay the biggest because otherwise a lot of people will leave for the second biggest, even if a lot of those transactions are pure speculative. It's just a big psychological thing, basically. And that's also why I, I think market cap is overall a bad indicator. Like, like for example, with Bitcoin Gold or, or Bcash or whatever, you immediately have like a huge amount of coins many of which were lost like ages ago and still they count as part of uh, the market cap. Right. So you're saying it is a bad metric then? It is a bad metric, but <laughs> no, overall it's a, it's, it's a very bad metric, but a psychological, it's, it's, it's important for some people. Yeah, it's important in, in certain ways for, I guess, awareness and psychology, but it, it, we need to educate people to move beyond that too, because it's, it's a flawed metric because it, not all the coins are on equal footing, right? If you look at Ripple, didn't they have to freeze like 25% of their coins to maintain a certain value per coin? It was a lot. It was a lot. And yeah. if you look at it, like there's like infinite supply. So market cap, when you compare the two things, you're not comparing apples to apples. You're comparing apples to, I don't know, garbage. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Ripple created 100 billion coins, something like that. So and they're releasing it. They can just release yeah. them. And sometimes they release them into, they use it to, to like pay for or to get an investment, right? Use it as a, a way to, to make a deal. And then part of the deal is that the other party can't sell for like five years. So, so uh, on to the next topic, and I guess something that uh, Ricardo wanted to talk about, hard forks, why it's good for Monero. And is it bad for uh, Bitcoin? And what's the difference with hard forks for uh, Ethereum? So, so I think like something. I mean, for those that don't know, um, with Monero we hard fork every six months, and it's a flag day hard fork. There's no miners voting on it. We discuss stuff as a community leading up to it. We hope that the stuff that we're putting in um, has. Well, we have a reasonable idea as developers um, that there's consensus. And we, you know, obviously we speak to like pool operators and exchanges and whatever. Um, and, and with Monero, it's, I guess it's reasonably easy because if we're improving things, if we're improving privacy, if we're improving scalability, then the, the consensus critical upgrades are obvious. Um, and we sort of have a, a reasonable amount of runway we've been pretty bad with that in the past there's sometimes been times where um three four weeks before a hard fork we finalize the the final release and then we like lambaste ourselves afterwards <laughs> and we're like oh how can we do something that is so down to the wire and like i compare that uh, and i think it's a worthy comparison i compare that with two things bitcoin which <coughs> never had a hard fork and and why is that and why 
is why has Bitcoin never had a hard fork? And secondly, let's compare it with Ethereum, which has hard forks where they release the, the binaries two days before. <laughs> Those are the best ones. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, hey, guys, please update. We're hard forking in 48 hours. That's not enough time to even sync their blockchain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need more than a week for that. Yeah. No, I, I think that's a very uh, interesting and fair point. We all know that the Ethereum uh, hard forks are kind of strange. Um, I was talking to one of the Bitcoin engineers and he was really not happy with the Ethereum hard forks. Like you said, it was two days before and he couldn't get his notes synced and everything. So <laughs> that's not a, a good approach. So um, and why is it then bad for uh, Bitcoin? Well. It's not really bad for Bitcoin. I think a lot of people are, are saying, you know, Bitcoin will never fork because devs don't want to. It's not that people don't want to hard fork ever. It's just it has to be done in a, a safe way. And it's got to be changes that make sense, not just uh, increasing a variable from one to two. That is just a waste of time for everybody. Yeah, I, I almost feel like because um, I, I like this is the other thing, right? With Monero, we know that every six months is fine now when we're small. But when you reach the, the size of Bitcoin, where you have entities like Coinbase taking on 100,000 people in, in what was it, 100,000 people a day? New accounts? They, they claim that, yes. I, I think it's a, it's, I, don't, I don't have reason not to believe them. Um, but I mean, when you're, when you're that big, when you're taking on as a network, when you're taking on um, hundreds of thousands of people on a daily or weekly basis, you can't really be going down the road of like, oh, let's just randomly hard fork every six months, even if it is planned, even even if the network's used to it. Um, it becomes harder and harder because the, every hard fork change has a ripple effect. You know, you change one thing and then it affects like this piece of code written in PHP and that piece of code written in JavaScript and this like junky wallet for Android and everyone's got to upgrade. And, and that's really where Bitcoin stands right now is a small change, even if it is a, a change like going from one meg to two meg blocks, um, has knock-on effects in the ecosystem. You've got like alternate implementations like BTCD, you've got wallets um, that have backends uh, like Electrum, you've got a whole bunch of things in the ecosystem that need to be able to compensate and get ready for that fork. And that is a, that's a non-trivial exercise. It's not that hard forks for Bitcoin is, are bad. I think it's just that Bitcoin is too, it's too decentralized. Um, hard forks require like consensus. And unless um, there's consensus, it's really hard to pull off a, a clean hard fork on Bitcoin. For coins like Monero, even Litecoin and Ethereum, um, it's much easier to pull up a hard fork because there's um, more centralized like developer group, more centralized community, and um, it can just it would just happen because even I mean even with Ethereum, the Ethereum Classic showed that if there's any contention in the hard fork, the other side would um, would survive and there's going to be a split. So we saw with Bitcoin, kind of there was kind of a split with Bcash coming out. Um, yeah, so unless because Bitcoin is 
such a it has such a huge um, user base, so decentralized. Um, it's just really hard to do a hard fork unless you have consensus. Yeah, I think we're also <laughs> a bit traumatized from all the fighting too. So people just don't want to do it now because it's they realize it's really hard to get consensus and that there will be factions that will back the smaller coin or whatever and the original chain and it's just going to be a mess too so it's a bit of a i think there's hesitation now to to try to do that yeah and and that's also why i was so um i was so excited about segwit because segwit was able to help bitcoin scale in multiple different ways um without doing a hard fork it can be done with a soft fork and once segwit now segwit is active we can do other things like um adding um Schnorr signatures and um, regularized after syntax trees with soft forks and stuff like that can will help bitcoin scale more and all all can be done without causing another hard fork um debate and like community split so i think all the fud is kind of inevitable it's people are so motivated to fud bitcoin because it makes their ico or their coin or whatever better right like that's the whole premise of a lot of the value of these other coins which is that it's better than bitcoin in some way so you can't really deliver on that unless you stomp on bitcoin and say all all these problems and all these false claims right people are still talking about the fact that segwit can like miners can come together and uh deactivate segwit and steal all the coins in segwit transactions well, they could also they could also re rewrite the blockchain. They could also hard fork it. They could do a lot of things like increase the twenty one million limit. A lot of people making up the fud, just like they do it kind of in a vacuum. Like, oh, this could happen, but then a hundred other things could happen too if you're going down that attack vector. So it it's just they're just preying on people that don't know and are new to the space. I think the reason why UASF works is because of like user nodes actually dictate consensus like miners have to they can't just hard fork as we as we as we see right they can't just hard fork and add more coins they can't hard fork and and undo segwit because there are user nodes that are protecting it so if they hard fork and undid segwit then their chain will not be accepted by the exchanges the users and it'll be worth nothing so yes you can hard fork you can do like a another split and undo segwit kind of like what bcash did kind of do another like bcash hard fork and undo segwit and you can steal all of those segwit transactions from that fork but it'll be worth nothing or close to nothing um and no one would care because it's just another altcoin it's not bitcoin well that's why the biggest weapon that these guys have is to say you know nodes don't matter only miners matter and all that stuff because in that world then a lot of their fud is true but i don't think any of the users want that world and no one will accept that world because then we don't need Bitcoin. Yeah, I think we saw quite strongly with UASF that the users have a voice, and and even if you, I mean, I've heard arguments like, oh, UASF was just a bunch of sock puppets on Twitter, whatever. I mean, the reality is that I personally know of hundreds of individuals that wanted UASF, including Whale Panda. So moving on to altcoins. So what's going on with Monero? So, um, yeah, uh, we've been doing some cool stuff. Uh, Multisig. Multisig's um, 
pretty close to getting merged, which means that we almost have as much functionality as um, an, an altcoin that just clicks clone on Bitcoin anytime in the past like six years. Um, so that's kind of exciting. And then we've also been doing some marketing stuff. Who knew? We did a, a crowdfund for like this marketing thing. Um, and we raised half a million dollars from the community. Wasn't there like a $40 million Monero scam coin? Yes, there is indeed. Electronium. <laughs> um, they apparently uh-huh. raised $40 million in an ICO uh, to clone Monero or to fork Monero and change the decimal point because I guess Monero's price is too high. And then, <laughs> no, this gets way better. They're releasing a mobile app for mining, but it's not actually <laughs> going to mine on your phone. That would be too easy. It's going to simulate mining. So your phone is just going to get very hot and the battery will run flat, but it's not actually going to mine. It's just simulating mining. So you get the experience of mining. <laughs> hey, I'm in. How do I buy it? Yeah, oh, if you missed out on the ICO, sorry, bro. You got to buy it on uh-huh. Ether Delta or whatever. Damn. They really screwed up with the name. I mean, they should have just called it Monero Cash or something. <laughs> We're a lot more successful. Well, you already have Monero Gold, so... I like Monero Unlimited. Monero ABC? Hmm. So, uh, you've been... What I've heard is that you've been infecting a lot of servers with the Monero miners. Yes, I personally have been infecting servers <laughs> with Monero miners. That's been my goal, really, from day one, is just to run botnets. In the Apple Store? In the Apple Store, yeah. Smart. It's a thing that happens you personally that we have get no control over. Um, and we obviously don't condone malware. We don't condone botnets. We don't condone bad people doing bad stuff to mine Monero. We especially do not condone people installing Monero malware on Teslas and submarines. That's bad. I think Teslas are mining Bitcoin. Not putting any ideas in people's heads, but if it happens, it happens. <laughs> Okay, so, and Charlie, you want to say something about Litecoin, or is it it's nothing going on there? <laughs> Litecoin is the next best thing. It's, it's going to be a huge hit. Um, I'm going to rename it to Bitcoin Litecoin. <laughs> or maybe Bitcoin Lite. I think I have this Bitcoin idea. Lite. Bitcoin Lite? It rolls off the tongue. Yeah. <laughs> I like your hat. <laughs> Thanks. I have a few. I have a, I have a full collection. Yeah, so for Litecoin, what I'm really excited about is um, now that we have SegWit and Lightning is going to happen, um, cross-chain atomic swap, you guys seen the first um, test on Lightning, right? The Lightning cross-chain atomic swap. That's really cool. Yeah, I can't just, it's like the future where Lightning Network is running on all sorts of coins and you can just jump between different um, chains without any uh, third-party uh, site, right? You just cross-chain swap with any other coin. So if you want to use um, Ethereum or even Monero, right? If you want more privacy, you can easily swap to Monero and then spend it on the Monero blockchain and then swap back. I think that's going to be really exciting. So can Monero do um, Lightning? Yes and no. Um, we're busy. We're in the process. I mean, multi-sig is obviously like the, the big thing that needs to be done there. Well, he needs to ICO first before you can... Of course, yeah. And then we've got to release the token to do Lightning Network because we can't we can't do it without a token. It's and called Raiden? Token on Ethereum, right? I mean, 
it makes sense like to do the token on ethereum and you need a very complicated smart contract for your for your multi-sig wallets oh no don't worry <laughs> we're using parity multi-sig i believe parity okay. multi-sig is super safe i've been told yeah it, it's very safe you keep it you, no one can touch your coins it's that's like perfect safety <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's built in built in cold storage so actually I, I was i was wondering a serious question uh, how do you find a person to do a cross-chain swap with uh without any third-party sites so how are you going to find the other person so with um with like lightning what happens is the lightning knows you you kind of broadcast your your exchange rate right what you're willing to trade like how many bitcoins for how many litecoins and the network the routings um algorithm would find like the cheapest way or the best route that converts your bitcoin to litecoin or vice versa okay so it's basically a, sort of like a built-in order book kind of like it's yeah kind of where each node would um if they support multiple chains right they would broadcast their fees they broadcast their fees and their exchange rate and then you will find the best path through it based on that Right, the cheapest and best rate you can get to convert your coins. So, Charlie, do you have any guys working on like a a Litecoin version of Zap? Um, no, we just steal Bitcoin's code. <laughs> <laughs> the truth um, is revealed. Well, I mean, we work with them to make sure like Zap is Zap supports both Bitcoin and Litecoin, so we just make sure that it works. Right, it's it's very easy for um uh. Bitcoin developers to actually also support Litecoin because we're so similar. As long as they're not um, Bitcoin maximalists, they're they're happy to support Litecoin also. Okay, so any any other altcoins you guys are interested in? I like Bcash. <laughs> Bcash, 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 Bcash. <laughs> I like Roger, um, but it's it's just funny. I don't know. I hope oh, it's, it's loads of entertainment. Bitcoin's never boring, right? Yeah. It's like a reality show. Just wait till the HBO series comes out. <laughs> it's funny the the name Bcash like really triggers these people. It's because it really takes away like it kind of cuts them off at their knees. It's their product. <laughs> yeah. No, actually, uh, Roger Ver said that that it's his project. So. So he said, oh. it's my project. To be fair, he was stumbling over words at that point, And he did like correct it in, at the end of that sort of run on into a project I'm involved in. I mean, like, you know, let, let's, let's give credit where credit's due. He was under pressure and he was angry. And he did put out the very, very heartfelt apology video. So I saw, I saw like 10 apology videos. They're all like remixed. Yeah. It's, it's, it's just funny, like ironic to me that, um, like you're building a decentralized currency right a project for a decentralized currency and then someone else someone wants to call this a different name and you're like all upset about it i mean it's it's kind of like if for a decentralized system if 99 percent of people want to call it x then it's x right it's not you no one gets to dictate what it's called like if everybody wants to call litecoin lcoin Elcoin. That's who am I to say it's not Elcoin, right? If everyone wants to call it Elcoin. Elcash. <laughs> well, we all know that Monero is actually Montero, but yeah. Or Romero. Romero. I like Romero. But I, I think they're upset because if you look at it, it's the people that are pushing it and you know have invested a lot of money into it. <laughs> they get really upset, like Jihan or whoever. 
that he's accepting this thing and he's probably holding a ton of it. So if you're calling it something else, that just tanks the value of his asset, right? It's because he's mined half of all Bitcoin to date, right? John McAfee said that uh, Jihan mined half of all uh, Bitcoins uh, today. And also, what was the other thing? Ah, yeah, oh, no, that the halvening happened in 2016. There's only been one. One halving yeah. in yeah. the whole world, and that was it. Okay, so another uh, hot issue is actually Tether. Any opinions on that? The thing out there, people are saying that Tether is not really backed by real US dollar. Um, some people were worried that if all this Tether that's out, that's printed, if it's not backed by real US dollar, then it's kind of like fractional reserve, and people are using it to pump up the Bitcoin price. And if when the total thing comes crashing down, um, it's going to kill the market and people who are left holding Tether will be worth nothing. Or is that the, that's the fear, right? Am I missing anything? The, the idea is, or, or what they're claiming is that uh, it's just being printed out of thin air. Um, and there's, of course, a close connection between Tether and uh, Bitfinex. But yeah, that, that's been quite public for, for a while yeah. now. Um, but it's also um, the the direction where all this this FUD, if you want to call it FUD, is coming from. So um, the, the main guy, Bitfinex, yeah, is what he what he's calling himself. Uh, he publicly sold all his bitcoins at around one thousand three hundred dollars. So he's listening to Emin. Yeah, and and, and Emin re- retweets everything that that he, that he says. That's also already <laughs> a bad indicator. And I saw that Craig Wright also was talking about it. So if you want to attach yourself to that kind of to, to those kind of people, yeah, I don't know. It doesn't make what he's saying not valid. We, I mean, we just we don't know. Right? Yeah, exactly. There's no way to audit it, but it's also not like no obvious way that it's like a fraud yeah there's no evidence i mean there's a lot of conjecture and if you look at um how bitfinex is being targeted it's just almost because you know they've actually put a lot of monkey wrenches in a lot of the plans of a lot of people and they're definitely high up on that target list sure i mean bitfinex was the one that came off the name bcash (laughs) yeah exactly and also the 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 ones with the, who did all like the split tokens, like Bitcoin Unlimited, uh, B2X. So yeah, they're they're always first. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but they're the first to actually do the markets. I, I guess like we can't really put ourselves in a position where we we sort of say you know uh, Bitfinex is definitely solvent or definitely not solvent because we've seen what happens when people say that a, a particular exchange is solvent. Uh, you know, that's never happened before. <laughs> uh, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we don't really have control over what exchanges do. And they got to do what they got to do. You know, I mean, like if, if an exchange goes down, it shouldn't impact on Bitcoin. It shouldn't impact on any of the currency pairs that they're trading um, any more than it impacts on the dollar. I mean, if, if when Mt. Gox went down, did the US dollar crash? Yeah, that, that, that's a good point. If um, if an exchange that like has tether support, um, it's up to the exchange to make sure that the tether is backed by real dollar, right? So they should do, actually do the audit. Um, which exchanges actually support tether other than Bitfinex? Is it Kraken? Kraken. No, yeah, Kraken, Bitrex, Poloniex. Yeah. And Kraken I- is is regulated by the by the US, so they should actually be doing a lot of due diligence to make sure that the tether that they're supporting. Is backed by real dollar. Otherwise, if Tether crashes to zero, their customers are going to get real hurt. 
Well, actually, it's all three of them are in the US. Uh, Bologniex and Bitrix also. But then I think Bitfinex and Tether and our Kraken should, and these exchanges should actually release like the the statements to show that they're um, they release an audit to show that the Tether is backed by real US dollar. Shouldn't be that hard to have an audit for them. I'm not sure why they don't. Uh, they were working on it. I think I saw a tweet passing by, but yeah, that it's taking longer than they expected or something like that. There was a tweet with like a screenshot of, of the audit reports, like the first mm -hmm. page that confirmed the bank balance. No, but, but do you guys think that there's like a real need for like a stable coin, uh, like a tether or like euro or... I think the, I think the governments will actually come out with their own um, fiat crypto coin so it's a matter of time that they do there's definitely a benefit for trading to have that there's clearly a demand right otherwise tether wouldn't uh tether would be like one of those dead projects like paycoin well those like there was a 20 dollar uh bottom so yeah but there was a floor a promise yeah. 20 dollar floor I, unfortunately I mean... that floor is about as valuable as bitconnect's floor <laughs> <laughs> no, bitconnect is actually quite cool it's like you, you can earn like stable income. Earn yeah, you can you put a dollar in and you make $10 every day. That's incredible. That's awesome. Well, why aren't we all in, guys? What are we doing with <laughs> wrong with our lives? <laughs> make sure you pull it out before everyone else does and you'll be fine. I've actually um, participated in um, the pirate Ponzi without knowing that it was a Ponzi <laughs> way back when. I don't know if you guys were around back then. That was um, that was fun. Yeah, I I also like I mean like I figured he was doing something with it, so I was like, here's my money, and obviously you know you're you're doing something that's making money, so that makes sense. And I didn't really think it through further than that. I lost a bit of money. <laughs> well, um, like for as closing thoughts, I thought it would be fun to do like something like uh, a crypto life kind of thing. So we're all traveling a lot. So, how do you deal with all the traveling? Um, also, in regards to like security, do you use burner phones, uh, burner laptops, whatever? Do you take coins with you on a trezor or or what when you're traveling? I'm fairly, I guess, like out of out of us, uh, out of the four of us, I guess I'm pretty much at risk um, the most. So when I travel to the US, only when I travel to the US, when the rest of the world doesn't, this doesn't really impact. When I travel to the US, I go with burner devices, uh, have an entire separate setup, separate tablet, separate phone, separate laptop, um, separate accounts for everything, separate email, separate phone number, everything. Why do you need that? Because I, my concern is that I'll get stopped by Customs Border Patrol, um, CBP and that they'll want me to unlock my devices. And I don't want to be in a scenario where I refuse to unlock my devices. So I'd rather unlock my devices and give them access to all the burner accounts. Because the only thing that, that they can do then is read my email and access my whatever, my um, second Apple ID There's and second so Dropbox account. You're concerned that Monero is a target? Um, I've had friends in the infosec space who've gone over for um, pretty benign things, B-sides or DEFCON or Black Hat or whatever, and they've been targeted. Um, and, and I think it's through no fault of, their, of, of CBP. They just sort of, you know, the, the guy's name comes up on a list or girl's name comes up on a list. 
And, uh, and the, the problem is the reaction. The problem is the person's reaction where they go, I refuse to unlock my laptop. And then CBP almost have this, um, this, this need to then press the issue. And if you continue to refuse, then what are you hiding? So thank you for the show and see you next time. See you guys next time. <laughs> be cash, be cash. Be cash. <laughs> Be cash.